Awesome. So uh, obviously, I'm not Rick. I'm Derek. If you remember me from uh, a couple weeks ago, um, my family has been a part of Colossae for the last several years and a part of Colossae Sherwood just for uh, the last several months. Um, but we're extremely blessed to be a part of this family. And, uh, and we'll miss Rick today. Um, I know he would be the first one to say that this is not about one man or one person. In fact, we've been pretty intentional to study things like the body of Christ and how we're all different parts and all of the parts are essential. Um, That said, uh, I know that I personally view Rick as an answer to prayer, uh, as a spiritual mentor and brother, and uh, so I think we're extremely blessed to have him, and you guys are going to have to miss him this week as you hang out with me. So... So uh, this morning, we are going to be talking about walking in the Holy Spirit, and um, so we've talked uh, a lot the last several weeks about kind of why are we doing this together, and our go-to passage is from John 17, and a couple of the key verses essentially say uh, this, that as Jesus is praying to the Father before he dies on the cross, before he ends up ascending and going into heaven, he's praying for the church. Uh, And he's praying for the church in that day, but he's also praying for us as the church who would come after them. And he's saying, uh, God, I pray, Father, I pray that they would be one with us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, so that they might be uh, invited into this communion or this relationship uh, that is God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But also, as we continue to go deeper in that intimate relationship with God, that we would have a similar intimate relationship with one another as the church. And that in those two things, knowing God deeply and intimately and personally, and then knowing one another and serving one another in that way, that the world would actually see that as such a radical and supernatural thing, that they would know that Jesus, the Son, was sent from the Father, that he is Savior, King, and Lord. And that's pretty remarkable, right? That... Um, just by looking at us as the church and the uh, authenticity, the supernatural power of our relationship with God, that we can actually know him, love him, be loved by him, be changed by him, and that we can express a love that is beyond just nice people getting together, but that is a love empowered by the Holy Spirit that is so incredible that the world looks on at us and goes, wow, that's incredible. This thing about the Father sending Jesus the Son to be savior of the world is legit. And so that is kind of our, our why as the church. Um, but we've also started to talk about kind of what is our how. So like if that's the end goal, and I think the fact that we're here on a Sunday morning would cause us at least to um, be on board with the idea of knowing God more deeply and then entering into these relationships and doing this thing together as the church. Um, but if that's true, how do we do that? And so Uh, We're going to see what the Apostle Paul says at the end of Romans chapter 7 and then the beginning part of Romans chapter 8 about how we do that. And it's not just um, by our best efforts. It's not by really trying or, or, um, you know, extra special discipline that we have. Uh, It's actually by being transformed in this relationship with God by his Holy Spirit that lives inside of us and then walking in that moment by moment, day by day. So uh, at the end of Romans chapter 7, and actually I'm going to read from my Bible so I'm not turning my back to you. It says this in verse 18, and Paul, um, Paul is kind of talking about his own desire to do good, 
But he says, man, I do the things that I don't want to do, and I don't do the things that I do want to do. Um, who can deliver me from this, this kind of turmoil that I have within of wanting to do what's right but then not doing it? And in the midst of that, he says, for I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right but not the ability to carry it out. And so when you read that word, the flesh, what we're talking about is really our natural selves apart from God. And so the way we were born, if you think about your kids, uh, when they're first born, they are extremely focused on themselves, what they want to eat, uh, when they're tired, when they need their diaper change. They aren't particularly interested in your schedule. Um, (laughs) And I saw Brian around here earlier, and he looked really exhausted because their newborn uh, kept him up last night. But... um, But similarly, uh, in our flesh, we have a tendency to be self-absorbed and to serve ourselves or even try to serve and honor God with the best of intentions, but with our own self-effort. And the Bible is saying, and Paul is saying, we can't do that. No No matter how good your intentions, no matter how much you desire or purpose to honor God with your life, um, which is in itself is a good thing. We have to do it by the help and by the power of the Holy Spirit. We cannot do it alone. And so uh, he then transitions to Romans chapter 8. And he says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh, by us, (laughs) could not do, By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteousness, the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according according to the spirit. So there are a couple things here. Uh, One, obviously, is on the heels of this discussion where Paul is being really honest with us about what he struggles with, that he really wants to do what's right, but in his flesh he cannot do what's right and instead does what's wrong. Uh, in the midst of that, uh, and in, that midst, in the midst of that struggle that I would say most of us probably have, is that, is that fair to say that most of us struggle with wanting to do what's right but not being able and vice versa? In the midst of that, the first thing he says is, I want you guys to know that there's now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, Derek Williams and I were, were talking this past week, and... Uh, we were talking about this concept of what if we really understood that we were not condemned? You know, because the tendency for us is to say, oh, because I wanted to do what's right, but because I failed, um, therefore uh, I cannot be um, active in entering into this relationship with God or, or it might even separate me from others that would want to come alongside me and encourage that. Um, but through Christ... There's no condemnation because that word, um, actually the next slide might have some commentary. Yeah, so that that word for condemnation is talking about an adverse verdict or sentence against us. So because we have failed in our flesh, which was the whole problem with the law, which is it laid out 613 rules that we couldn't follow, uh, because of the uh, failure in our flesh, there's this natural tendency, if we're still focused on ourselves, to condemn ourselves or to feel like we are condemned by God. But in reality, Jesus took upon himself our adverse 
verdict and, verdict and sentence, just as Peter was sharing. He took that upon himself so that we might be made righteous in him. And so as we come together as the church to remember that, uh, one of the things that we can always do is come just as we are. We don't have to put on a facade or a show. Uh, we, we can actually come in our brokenness and uh, with God and with one another and just be honest about the fact that this is who we are. Yeah, we, we want to do what's right, but we don't do what's right sometimes. And we do want to do what's right, but sometimes we don't. And um, Paul goes out of his way to say, but guys, there's no condemnation to remind us that, hey, the whole point is that through Christ, we have been invited into this relationship with God and into this relationship with one another. And so we don't have to put on those facades. We don't have to feel condemned. But in fact, we can recognize the grace and the love that we freely have in in Christ. It's been said that uh, we are more desperately wicked than we could ever possibly imagine, but we are at the very same time more completely accepted and loved by God through Christ than we could ever possibly hope. And that is the miracle of the cross, and that is the good news that Jesus brings. And as a result of that, uh, we are transitioned into a new way of doing life. So up until the sending of the Holy Spirit and the atoning work of Jesus on the cross for humanity and our sins, uh, we had to try to follow God through the law by... Uh, our own determination by our own self-effort. The problem with that, as we saw in the Old Testament, particularly through the nation of Israel, is um, no matter how much they determined, they would ultimately be led astray because what was inside of their hearts was wicked. And so unless there was a remedy for what's inside our hearts, then our natural tendency is going to be to turn away from God, to walk away from God. And so we saw that pattern in the Old Testament of the nation of Israel saying, okay, we're really serious about following you, God, this time. And then what would happen is they would kind of wander off and they would go about their own things, start worshiping idols. They would fall into these terrible repercussions of that. And then they would cry out to God. He would show them mercy. And then they would say, okay, this time, God, we're really serious about following you. And the same can be true of patterns in our lives, right, is, is we can go through seasons and go, okay, God, I'm really serious this time, and so I'm going to stop doing that sin, or I'm going to start waking up at 4.30 every morning and having time in my Bible. Uh, the problem with that, of course, is, is our flesh, and that's what Paul is drawing out. But he, he says in this passage that we are saved into a new way of walking and walking in the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on to say, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law, indeed it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So as we look at this passage, you see this recognition that if we set our minds on things of the flesh or of our natural selves, so basically just doing life like any other normal person, uh, if we set our minds on things of the flesh, then um, we're going to be living and walking in the flesh. But if we set our minds, our hearts on the Holy Spirit, then we are actually walking in the Holy Spirit. And so there's this key for us if we desire to actually do this, and live this out together 
uh, as the church of setting our minds and our hearts on the Holy Spirit. So uh, rather than monologue at you, I'm actually going to ask you, um, how do you think we can set our minds and hearts on the Holy Spirit? Worship. Yeah, yeah. So, so what about worship causes us to set our minds and hearts upon the Holy Spirit? Yeah, it's, it, it's almost like this opportunity to step back from just the normal routine and the tyranny of the urgent, and in the midst of that worship, it's acknowledging God, it's inviting him in, it's, it's realizing once again the work that Christ has done and the fact that he has spent, sent his Holy Spirit to live inside of us. Yeah, that's a good one. What else? Yeah, yeah, the reading of the Word. There's a reason why we spend a good chunk of Sunday mornings getting into the Word and why we're encouraged and we encourage one another to be in the Word throughout the week is uh, it, it tells us and it, again, reminds us of this good news of Jesus Christ and the fact that we are invited into this uh, new life in the Holy Spirit. What else? Yeah, yeah, so this is huge, and this is kind of um, kind of an overarching um, part of this is repenting from what's already going on in our hearts and minds. So being honest to God about what's going on in our minds and hearts that may not be right, that might be of our flesh, and bringing it before him, allowing him to minister to that brokenness uh, through his church, by his Holy Spirit, in his word, in worship, um, so that we might be transitioned from flesh to spirit. Yeah, so uh, we, we have a number of these disciplines. In fact, we'll end with one at the end, which is the taking of communion, which again is, is bringing us back into remembrance of that which God has done through Christ and by his spirit. So uh, one of the first things, and, and Peter touched on this, is diagnosing what's wrong in our hearts in the first place and what's wrong with our minds. Um, and so there's this need to actually be aware of what's going on in the inside because the Bible's pretty clear that whatever is going on in the inside of our hearts and minds is eventually going to come out on the outside, right? So that was the challenge with the nation of Israel, really wanting to follow God's law on the outside, but on the inside they were still broken and separated from God. Uh, we as the church in 2017 are not separated from God. We do have the Holy Spirit and so the key for us is being aware of when we're not actively walking in that and enjoying that relationship and that new life and being able to seek the Lord to help us. I found one of the uh, most useful means of doing this, and it's included in all of these other ones that have been mentioned, is prayer. And when I say prayer, it's not just talking to God, leaving it there, and then going about your business. It, it's actually coming honestly before God, confessing, what's on our hearts, because confession is not just, God, I'm sorry, I'm guilty. Uh, confession is actually that honesty of coming in that brokenness and going, God, here's where I'm at. And you know this, I'm not going to try to hide it from you. I'm not going to try to hide it from the church. Um, but this is where I'm at, and I confess to you this is where I'm at, and I need your grace, I need your spirit to deliver me and so that we can actually walk in this new way of life. So it goes on to say, in verse 9, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. 
Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, to the flesh you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So he's saying here that we have the Holy Spirit, that we no longer are obligated to do life and following God and living with one another uh, the same way that we always have. But he's actually suggesting that we're invited into this new, different, supernatural, and special way of, of walking with one another. Um, and it includes taking that which is in our flesh, remember that confession of like whatever the brokenness is that we're going through, and confessing it and basically Putting it to death is what he says, is the language he uses. But putting that to death so that we can actually then be made alive in the Holy Spirit. And so uh, we come to him with our fear. We come to him with our anger, with our anxieties, with our lust, with our pride, um, with all of these things, with our own um, self-interest. And we get to actually... Uh, lay those things down because the Bible says that those things that are in our flesh, those natural tendencies that are focused on, on serving self were crucified on the cross with Jesus. And they were um, covered by his blood and we have been made new. And so now we don't have to uh, live under the power and the slavery of those things, but we actually get to have the choice. Are we going to live that way or are we going to live in this new way by the Spirit. I think this is really important um, for us as the church, but I think in my life this has been really the game changer, to be frank with you. Um, so, so we've been doing, uh, we've been a part of the church, we've been following Jesus for a long time, and yet there's this tendency to be okay with just kind of going through the motions or a pretty good church. Um, or serving on, in your own self-effort, or trying to um, make a name for yourself, or even just trying to be a really good Christian, um, when we are invited into so much more than that. That God actually, uh, in his entirety, in his Holy Spirit, lives now inside of our hearts. And he likened it to living water that would overflow from us in the Holy Spirit. And he invites us into this abundant life. And yet, if I'm honest with you about my experience um, as a Christian within the church, um, for much of my life, if I had to describe it, I would describe it as something other than abundant. And yet, what I have found at the same time is that to the extent that we truly experience this life, it's game-changing. And he is able to take a broken heart and mend it. He is able to take a broken life and redeem it. He's able to take hurting marriages and families and communities and churches and breathe life into them by his spirit. And so um, that's what we are here to do. So the question at the bottom is practically, what are some ways we can put to death our flesh and instead live by the spirit? And so I asked you a few of those ways Um, But I thought I'd also give you some practical examples with my family as a case study 
Uh, so you get to see all our dirty laundry and then how we deal with it. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Actually, no, I'm going to ask you guys. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so I was thinking just this past week, what, what are some ways this played out? Um, and so for me, uh, on Monday, I was having some, some issues with employees at work, and they, they weren't serious issues, but they were just kind of like the people being difficult or needy issues. And uh, I came home Monday night. I was super frustrated. Um, and then I'm driving to work Tuesday morning, still frustrated, and just not in a good space, you know, kind of bitter and frustrated and just not wanting to deal with that. Um, but we had a, an all-team meeting, and so I had to be on. Um, and so as I was driving in, I was reminded of James chapter 3, which compares godly wisdom to kind of fleshly wisdom. And sure enough, on the fleshly side, it was like bitterness, envy, confusion, strife. And on the Holy Spirit side, or on the God, godly wisdom side, it's pure, peaceable, full of mercy, good fruits, uh, easily entreated or like willing to yield. And, uh, and so I just, in the car, said, Lord, here's where I'm at honestly <laughs> with the frustration and the bitterness Here's what I know your Holy Spirit gives, peace and life, like it says here in Romans chapter 8. And I just asked him, I said, God, I, I, can't, I can't change my own heart, and I cannot change my own mind, so God, would you please help me to go from here, flesh, to here, walking in the Holy Spirit? And sure enough, uh, he not only changed my heart, but then I talked to another uh, manager who was in a similar spot, and I was able to share with her, because um, she's also a believer, uh, James 3, and kind of the the transition that God brought me through in that, in that moment, that morning. And so we went into that meeting, and I think it, I think it went okay. Monish, was it okay? Yeah. <laughs> you, can, you, can, you can be honest if it wasn't. <laughs> um, so, that, so that's an example. And then there was another one where, um, so uh, my wife Sarah uh, is, you know, talented and active and is often asked, to uh, help with, with various ministries by her friends and, and things like that. Uh, and she was last night, and we were at the dinner table, and she says, so what do you think about me and Lily going to help with this? Lily is our daughter, going and helping with this thing Sunday night. And I immediately go to, ah, oh, come on. Like, I, we were busy Friday. We were in the soccer and rainy, uh, in the rain and soccer Saturday, and then she was going to be gone Sunday. And immediately I went to frustration, uh, kind of anger, and I knew I wasn't processing it, right? I was doing so in my flesh. But I also knew I was going to be teaching on this this morning. <laughs> and, and so uh, I just, at the dinner table, had to tell Sarah, okay, Sarah, um, here's honestly where I'm at. Just give me, just give me a second. <laughs> uh, and sure, sure enough, as I prayed about it, just the Lord gave me clarity and get, by his Holy Spirit changed where I was at in my mind and my heart in order to have that conversation. Um, and it was real time. Like we, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us and we can actually um, call out to him, and he can minister to us in real time uh, as we do that. And so it, I think that conversation, too, went better than it would have. Um, but but we, I find myself having to do this all the time. Um, yeah, right? It's, it's, that's why it's walking in the Holy Spirit. It's step by step, moment by moment. Um, Sarah, what other ones do we have? We were thinking through examples this morning, and they were... <laughs> 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 yeah. 
So, 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 so why, don't, why don't we just pick on the boys of our family, and, and the girls are angels. Um, <laughs> uh, but, but, but you can see, you can see kind of how practically that works, and, um, you know, and, and how desperately we need the Holy Spirit to intervene in our lives, because if we, if we didn't have that, we would just continue down the same path, and if we didn't fix what was on the inside, uh, we could even try to clean up what, the appearance of it on the outside, but Jesus likened that to whitewashed tombs that look good on the outside, but where there's death on the inside still. And so we actually need the Holy Spirit moment by moment, every single day, to deliver us from our flesh and to help us walk with him in a way that honors God, in a way that really equips us to be the church, like we've described, in relationship with God, actively, uh, and in relationship with one another in such a way that the world looks on at us and they go, wow, that's different, right? And, that, and that's unique, uh, and that's only by the grace and the power and the righteousness of God that we are who we are. And so um, Paul then goes on in Romans chapter 8 and says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And so, um, just like we started in John 17, the Holy Spirit tells us that we are sons and daughters of God, that there is no condemnation that we are invited into new life by his spirit, according to his grace. And it's actually our flesh that says, no, no, you're condemned. Remember, remember when we were talking about the body of Christ and there were the parts of the bodies that, that said, oh, well, because I'm not this other part of the body, I don't belong. Um, or because you're not this part of the body, you don't belong. But the Holy Spirit doesn't say that. The Holy Spirit says we're sons and daughters, that we are not condemned that we are completely loved and accepted by God through Christ, and that we now have the very righteousness and life of, of God in us by his Spirit. The passage we just read said the Holy Spirit, which raised Jesus from the dead, now lives inside of us and is able to take us from death to life as we crucify our flesh, as we put it to death, and as we choose, um, just through seeking the Lord, through remembrance, of who he is and what he has done and the fact that he actually is alive inside of us, that very same spirit lives inside of us now. And it is our flesh that tells us that we are slaves, that we are separated, that we need to try harder, that we need to do better, 
Um, trying harder and doing better in itself is not bad. I think that desire to do well is a good thing. Uh, and yet, as Paul started out in Romans chapter 7, he said, in me, I can't do it. I cannot do it. And we cannot do it unless God, by his goodness, by his grace, supernaturally intervenes in our hearts. And so I need that. Trevor needs that. Uh, but I have no idea, by the way, where he gets that. I'm, I'm, guessing, <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing it's from Sarah. Um, uh, but, but, but this is the point, and, and I, I don't want to just um, share a theological truth with us this morning, but I actually hope that we're able to take this, this significant reality of who we are now in Christ, the family of God, the sons and daughters of God, and that we are able to embrace this life that is inside of us, and that we could increasingly help one another to walk in that life not reliant upon ourselves or our own flesh. We don't, we don't need to do it the same way or the old way, but we get to walk in a new way, and we get to do it together as one body. This is real. Um, and it's, it's mind-blowing um, because I think for so much of my life, I, I went through the motions going, okay, I know I am forgiven, through the work of Jesus upon the cross. I know that I desire to honor him and do what's right. And so I was just trying really hard to honor him and do what was right. But, um, but I would fail. Or I would become even worse, and I would think I was doing it well because I looked right on the outside, but on the inside there, there was still brokenness and death. And so can, can we just agree as we come to the tables this morning that we as a, we as a church family are committed to coming in our brokenness to one another and to the Lord and saying, God, we believe in the work of Jesus upon the cross, that he took our sentence upon himself and that because of that we are now made free and that we don't come in condemnation, but we come uh, admitting that brokenness but knowing that we are not condemned because of our brokenness. And we come... um, with that, and we allow God, and we need God to show up and to do a work in ministering in our hearts and actually changing us from this on the inside to this on the inside. And so that he might actually live in us as if we were his literal body, because we are. We are his body here on earth, each individual parts empowered by his Holy Spirit to be one, but also to walk in this new way in whatever role that God has called us to, to be in serving one another. So um, in just a minute, we're going to open the tables of communion. Peter and the guys are going to come up and, and lead us in worship and singing. Um, but again, we, we do this in remembrance of who God is, that he did send the Son to pay the price for us, that he now has invited us into this new life. And, and so I, I would just invite you, as you come to the table, would you just come in your brokenness? And be honest before the Lord and just lay it out there for him because he, he actually desires to, to have all of you. Uh, and then as you do that, um, just let him minister to you. Just, just ask him in that brokenness to minister to you and to help you go from death to life on the inside. Amen? Oh, Lord, we love you so much. And you are, are truly good. We come together as your kids, and we, we sit in a theater 
and we, we go through the, the, the motions of a, of a church service, and yet we know it's so much more than that, that you're actually here in this place, and you desire to minister to your people. And so I pray, God, that you would do that by your Holy Spirit, that through the um, disciplines of worshiping you in song, in the study and hearing of your word, and now in, in coming to your table of communion, that we would remember um, the body of Christ, the blood of Christ that was given for us to invite us into this new life. And the result of that, Lord, is just getting to know you and being drawn closer to you and being drawn closer to one another um, in love. So would you please just um, take this small group of people and by your Holy Spirit accomplish your will for your glory, for our good, and so that the whole world would see that Jesus is Savior, Lord, and King. In Jesus' name, amen.